0: Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. All right, so excited to uh, talk today about a topic that I know a lot of people Uh, are going to confront at some point in their career, be it in uh, audit or consulting or any form of project management, really, but how to step into a new client engagement or new project and execute excellently. And uh, I'm here with uh, some folks who know a thing or two about that with a variety of different perspectives. We'll start off with Flo. Welcome. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm doing great.
0: Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and i just... On the spot, how many different projects or client engagements have you been involved with?
1: Oh, wow. I'll have to count. But um, I've been at Embark for a little bit over four years. Um, I'm a manager in the fast practice, and I primarily worked on oil and gas clients. Um, Top of my head, maybe about six to eight clients during my time at Embark.
0: Awesome. And, And before Embark?
1: I was at PwC, so I was in audit for a year.
0: Okay. And we're also here with uh, Tyler Stage. Welcome. How are you? Good. Um, How about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and roughly how many different engagements or projects have you been on?
2: Here at Embark, I don't know, dozen or so, maybe. Um, A lot of my clients have been really long-term. So probably for someone who's been here five years, I'm sure a lot of other people have higher number, but my clients have been long-term. And then before Embark, I was at PwC in Audit um, there for a few busy seasons and then made the jump to embark. Awesome. Well, glad you're here. And um,
0: our our newbie, no no consulting experience, never been on a project <laughs> before. Uh,
3: Mr. Jason Larkin, welcome. You had me back for another episode. I appreciate it, Kyle. Uh, Jason Larkin, nice to uh, be here again. So for those of you who haven't, um, haven't had the chance to get to share some of my perspective with before started my career in Audit, it's been three and a half years there moved over to the consulting side. Spent been about nine years in consulting and I've been with Embark for the past two years, currently serve as our Dallas market president. And in terms of clients that I've served throughout my career, it's probably somewhere in the 60 to 70 range just across all of the different years and different uh, different types of services that I've provided to clients throughout the years.
0: Awesome. And uh, I've, I've never worked on any of the types of projects. So uh, I'll be <laughs> asking questions as somebody who... Uh, is like jumping into this for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, and I am just just curious also, you know, lots of different types of projects, but if you could maybe just touch on, you know, some of the different uh, problems that you might've been solving, or even like you mentioned, you know, longer term engagements, just to kind of paint a picture of the different environments each of you have been in. And we'll start with you, Flo.
1: Yeah, so most of my clients have also been longer term engagements. Um, a lot of them were out there, um, for continuity reasons, whether it's um, they're understaffed or um, they have a massive problem that they need help with. Uh, so they'll bring in a team of consultants out there. Um, so I've had anything from financial reporting to um, month and close to special projects. Um, so I've seen a variety of different things.
2: And how about you, Tyler? Well, <clears throat> a lot of my more recent experiences in capital market space. So IPOs, mergers, business combinations. Um, so that's the majority of my experience. But before I moved into that practice, similar, um, to her, you know, just, um, may have been a continuity role that turned into process improvement that turned into, Hey, go tackle this thing or this over here. takes us forever to do. There's gotta be a better way. Um, So a lot of, you know, messy jobs, roll up your sleeves, dive into the details. What haven't you done, Jason?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done any tax work ever. So uh, there was one time, the first project I was ever on at Embark, uh, they had a tax question. I said, this is one of the few, I've gotten exposed to a lot of different things in my career, but taxes is not something that I'm uh, familiar with or exposed to it all and that's why there are other tax professionals out there um, that can help support. So that's that's the one area um, I've not focused on, especially re- recently been working with Tyler a lot just in the capital market space, uh, different IPOs and stuff. but yes, taxes is something that I know nothing about. so um,
0: I'm curious when we when we kind of floated this topic out there. What was it about this particular topic? You know, it would, there's, there's a lot of really smart people here, uh, not just technically, but, you know, like, you know, learned so much about leadership from Jason and, and cultural development. But what is it about this topic that you said, you know, I'm really passionate about this?
1: Uh, so I'm really passionate about this topic because I've seen firsthand how executing excellently at your clients uh, creates a very positive impact to your team to your clients and to yourself Um, it's understandable in my opinion that sometimes when you go on to do something new um, it can sometimes be intimidating so for me um, being able to help others kind of feel comfortable to do that to go out and execute excellently i think it's very important
0: what's it like walking into you know something new uh or you know maybe going from audit to capital markets. I mean, how has that been for you, Tyler?
2: So walking into something new, um, one, it's exciting because you never do the same thing twice, but it's also scary at times, right? Because if you've never done this specific thing, um, sometimes you got to figure it out, Mm -hmm. but you can draw on previous experience. Like there's a bunch of stuff that's similar, right? That you can pull from. So you're not just starting with, a blank paper um, but yeah I like it um, I hate doing the same thing over and over and over so it's nice to switch it up frequently and I
0: mean as Tyler just mentioned you know there's there's gonna be fundamentals or approaches that could be there but the people are always gonna be different What what is it about you know developing in this area, but then also coaching people in this area that you're passionate about, Jason?
3: Yeah, I think for me, it's the opportunity to develop new relationships, right? With new clients, with new team members you work with internally here at Embark, right? A lot of the projects that we work on will have a new team. And so you get to build those relationships internally. And then you get to also build those relationships with our clients, where you truly dive in, understand what are the actual problems that they're trying to solve and how can we Truly make their life easier. That's one of the things that's cool when you think about a new project. It's a new opportunity to create a first experience with Embark, or a first experience with um, you know our team, and just start that off on the right foot and develop that relationship that's rooted in trust. So that as they continue to be there, they call on us for incremental needs, or if they go from one company to another, we're able to support their journey throughout their entire career, and it all starts with creating that positive experience in the first time that we engage and work with companies.
0: Would love to hear from all three of you on this, but when you when you think about your time in audit and then all of the different hats you've worn on different projects with different clients, is there one when you think about it from beginning to end whether it be different types of challenges or just the 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 feeling of getting something across the finish line or being proud of executing excellently, is there is there a particular engagement that really stands out to you? And if so, what was it, was about it?
2: I mean, there's several. The thing I enjoyed the most is the human component of all this, like building that relationship with someone, right? Like personally impacting their lives at work, which frees them up to do the other stuff that they really want to do. And, um, just partnering with them to, um, Make their lives easier. Can
0: you give me an example of, uh, you know, you you mentioned like freeing them up to do the things they really want to do? I would imagine that when you're successful at that, you get to see not only you know you're executing this project, but it's having an even bigger impact on their life. Can you think of like just what are some examples of like
2: knowing that you made that impact? What are what are some examples of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, helping out on, you know, an IPO is extremely busy Um, and helping them through the really, really busy times, knocking stuff out. But even when there's lulls, you know, they'll draw on us like, hey, I've got this problem completely unrelated to what you guys are working on. Can you help us with that? Um, And getting those opportunities to add incremental value to um, something that we're not out there to do, but we've built that trust, we've built that connection. So generally, they come to us first to help them out. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. I'd love to jump in. And
3: and Tyler and I had the opportunity to work on the IPO he's referring to, and there was the client relationship component that, you know, he and I developed strong relationships with the client. I just had breakfast not too long ago with the CFO, you know, the CFO who was the CFO at the time of Solar Brands and just catching up. And most of what we caught up on was how's the family doing, right? He's got two young girls, a son, and it's like, how's how are they progressing in their life? And that Opportunity to truly have that relationship where I care about him, you know, and his family at an individual level, and then on the you know the other side of that, you know, to get to know Tyler was I was brand new to the firm at the time, and to able to develop a relationship with him where I can now see him continue to progress in his career, come into capital markets full time, um, have his first son Henry, and get that experience right, and to be around and support him through not just making our clients' lives easier, but making his life easier, and being there as a way to support him through some of those awesome life events and that's um you know again one of the really cool parts about not just viewing our clients as the transactional how do we just get this project done but that relational how do we make their life easier how do we understand the problems that they're working on on a day-to-day basis and try and take those problems off of their plate or you get those problems to be our problems as well right and truly taking ownership of that and i think that Special experience that our clients have and our team members have internally is what has been just so rewarding to get to be a part of.
0: Well, you hit on something, and I we have to come back because I I think if I were to to look at the title of this podcast, yeah. my the way I, my mind has been programmed would probably be thinking of it specifically to the work itself, yeah. and what you're talking about is a is is like a next level experience, yeah. and so I think that. Uh, I have a hunch that that will become a recurring theme that I want to touch on. Flo, if you think about some of the projects that you've been on, what is there one that was particularly rewarding or fulfilling for you when you think about what you were able to achieve?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So I think this is clearly an example of something that I feel like it's a reoccurring thing that we've seen across for multiple consultants where they go to a client, they do a great job and um, they are either extended for longer periods of time because the client doesn't wanna let them go or they're, uh, they bring in more people, they grow their teams because the client wants to see more people, um, who do excellent things. And so when, um, I think about that, what comes, comes to mind is my current client. Um, so I started on this client a little bit over a year ago and it was, it was a very difficult time for them because, uh, they'd essentially, um, sold all of their assets um, and they were closing the doors. So uh, to be expected, people were not happy. People were losing their jobs. So It was a very, very difficult time for them um, at the time. Um, And so essentially when this happened, um, some of the management from the accounting department were hired on by the new operator. And so the plan was for them to transition over the next year and so while we were we were there um our team essentially we really put a lot of effort into doing an excellent job and into building a really close relationship with them and so i think that um essentially helped us build some trust um and they ended up um trusting us and um kind of relying on our work and our service um along the way so Essentially, once um, they had transitioned over, um, they decided to hire on six more of our consultants to go and help them with that transition. Uh, But I think this kind of goes back to that trust component. Um, It was not built overnight. It was kind of built over time. And it kind of came down to um, us being out there doing excellent work and caring about the work that we do, but also really caring about the people as well. Um, I think that was the main differentiator.
0: You've been doing consulting for a long time. You've different organizations, different teams. Worked with a lot of different people, both clients and uh, consultants. How much of that is developed? How much of that is, you know, either somebody's able to do that or not able to do it?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think for me and and Tyler and Flo are great examples. I think. A lot of this does boil down to who you are and what you're motivated by, right? And I think this desire to care for the people that you interact with every day, it's part of as we continue to grow this firm and look at the individuals that will be part of the firm, You know, as as we continue to grow and, and hire, it's individuals that don't just want to come to work and execute on the projects, right? But truly want to, go that extra mile right and go to the internal events and send the slacks on you know hey your son was born hey you had a wedding hey you had an anniversary right and i think it's it's inherent in who the people are that come here and then i think it's reinforced because when you feel that care as tyler and flo i'm sure can speak to right when you feel that care you truly want to turn around and give it to other people And that's an incredible thing to not just be a receiver of the care, but to give that care. And that's, I think, the difference is we bring people in that want this and then we enhance it every single day because of the actions of everybody that's around us.
1: Kind of to add to that, um, I like that you brought on um, it's kind of. comes down to what motivates you. So when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, so like what motivates me to come to work and do a great job and care for people, care for my clients, care for my teammates. And I really think it comes down to your mindset. Um, I think having an ownership mindset is super important to um, the quality of work that you do or the quality of care that you give. Um, So To me, having an ownership mindset essentially allows me to truly care about what I'm doing and truly care about doing the best job that I can at what I'm doing.
2: Yeah, and Flo's story. So one of the first clients that I was on when I came to Embark, we were just brought out there, simple continuity job. Controller quit unexpectedly. We were just brought in, hey, and we were told, keep the wheels turning so this bus doesn't crash till we can hire a new one. Um, and that was the job, right? And in any month-end close, as anyone who's been in a month-end close knows, there's you know really busy times and then you have lulls, right? Once it's finished. So I told my manager, I was like, hey, we were in the lull period. I was like, I just don't wanna sit around, twiddle my thumbs, like, is there something else like we could help out with? So talk to the CEO, we're like, hey, we're in the law, we have some free time. Um, is there any headaches you have like any pain points like that we can put in the queue to work on and she gave us one thing and we went and talked to some people well it turns out there was this one accountant who spent an entire week 40 hours doing one accrual it was brutal and she's like yeah why don't you start there because that's she's like I don't know like the details but nothing should take 40 hours. Seems
3: like there's something to dig into here. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, we dug into it, fast forward a week or two, and we chopped it down to 4 hours. So from 40 to 4, half a day, and ended up they were over accrued by like a million bucks. So not only did we pick up in the P&L, we saved this one person 35 hours during that week um and after that that's the really long-term project what was supposed to be two to three months turned into three years because after we did that like the floodgates opened and they're like just forwarded emails like all day handle this look at this look at this and it's like i think the light bulb went off like oh these guys are legit like yeah. they know what they're talking about yeah. but i could have easily and you know the other person who was out there just yeah sat and client wouldn't have known any different that we didn't have a full plate to do but we wanted like you know i had a desire like hey these are people um who clearly this one process was not the best um and gave her almost an entire week of her life back every single month like that's very rewarding to do so you what i've heard so
0: far is you've got people who wake up in the morning and like get fulfillment from serving other people um you've got and and that that then if you're able to work in an environment where you get to go solve those problems Mm. you can hear i mean it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like if i was a client that is the experience that i would want what Mm. more can what other problems can you solve and by the way um you know you're making this impact in my personal life as well and you i know you care let's rewind a little bit because you know we've 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 touched on the value right so like how do we get to that point and be, and before we start at the beginning which i we've touched a little bit on mindset but i would be curious if anybody's brave enough to talk a little bit about like what is the biggest just disaster like this did not start off well or like this could have been managed better i'm sure you know we we learn from those experiences but have you been in any situations like that, you know, at any point in your career? And if so, like what, what was one of those like disaster
2: stories? No, it's all been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: like, I have too many to count. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I got a bunch of them. Um, no, I think the, the, the mm. specific example that comes to mind for me is, you know, I was at a kickoff meeting, right, with a, with a brand new client and had not done my homework. Right. In terms of what was this company going through at that moment in time? And you think about wanting to walk in the room and be prepared and truly understand, you know, read press releases, understand what's going on with the organization. And so you get in the meeting and, you know, we're kicking off and it's like, OK, here's what I'm asking you all to do. And I start asking, you know, just probing questions, trying to understand. And it becomes very apparent to everybody in the room that I have not... <laughs> been keeping up with the news at all related to this client right and they just went through a large transaction and i'm focused on something way over here right and the company has now completely shifted focus and it was this realization for me of making sure that you start off on the right foot and you do the homework before you show up day one and i was lucky that it was in a situation early enough in my career and there were people around me that could reinforce like, hey, Jason, moving forward, this is the lesson to be learned from this, right? We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have situations where we don't start things off on the right foot. And ultimately, you can still have that positive impact. You can still you know, create a memorable experience for the clients. But it's so much more difficult because now their initial perception of me, right, is that I didn't get prepared. I didn't do the homework and get ready for that meeting. And I think it just... Proved that if I had done all the prep work, the ability to build that relationship would have been so much easier. It would have gone so much quicker than starting from this place where there's a level of doubt that's in their mind of like, does this person really, you know, care about this organization, want to be here? And ultimately was able to overcome that. But it makes it harder when you start out on that wrong foot.
0: I'm curious why didn't you prepare? Was it, was it more that you just didn't know that you needed to do that yet? Or was there like some other stuff going on in your life where you're like, all right, I I think I can wing it this time.
3: Yeah. It's ultimately the busyness of everything else that's going on. Right. You know, I was at that point in my time at a stage in my career where I had multiple projects going on at the same time and didn't take that incremental time and effort to prepare. Right. That's the difference. A lot of what we talk about here as a firm, a lot of what we focus on, um, to your point, it's not rocket science, but it's that incremental 2% effort that you have to take in order to create that differential client experience. And in that moment, didn't take that extra effort, didn't prepare um, just because I was too busy. And that's not an excuse, right? But that's the reality of not setting myself up for success in that moment.
0: Well, and then, you know, and so often we hear this, but I think this is a perfect example of like we you learn from failure, right? Mm-hmm. So like in the moment you're like, mm-hmm. I don't have time, but then now in retrospect, actually, this will save a considerable yeah. amount of time, and now my job won't be harder.
3: Yeah, I prepare now, knowing no <laughs> that feeling. I don't want to feel it again. So.
0: Um, how about y'all? Uh, uncomfortable stories that you're comfortable sharing now?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, I mean, it's pretty expected for us to face challenges and personal struggles all throughout our careers. Um, if you don't face any then that's very concerning. <laughs> um but I'll say um maybe a little bit over 2 years ago I started on a new client when I was kind of in the middle of a very difficult time in my life. And so I was kind of juggling a crisis in my family and juggling um, starting on a brand new client. And so um Essentially, I didn't really communicate to anyone on my team that like I was having a difficult time or that I was feeling overwhelmed juggling both. Um, and so essentially, I would show up, I would do the job, I I'd do the work, but I, I didn't do any extra effort to go above and beyond that. And I just didn't feel like I had the mental or emotional capacity to do anything else. Um, and so in retrospect, I think about how I didn't really do myself or my teammates any good by not being a little bit vulnerable and sharing that oh okay hey i need a little bit of support and so i think that essentially it all kind of came down to communication Um, i know that our teammates and our clients deserve the best version of us and sometimes that doesn't happen or it can't happen for whatever reason and i think that in those occasions it's okay to Ask for support and say, hey, I need you to kind of help fill in here for me because our clients still deserve like 100 percent of our service. And so kind of my takeaway from that was to be a little bit more vulnerable about when we need support, uh, when we need help. Um, if we can't be 100 percent for whatever reason, life happens, and there's no shame in that. Um, I think it's essential for us to communicate it to our teams to let them know, hey, we, I, need, I need some help.
0: And you know, part of that too, Joe, Jason, Tyler, is as a leader, as a coworker, creating an environment where somebody maybe feels more comfortable to do that because that's—I yeah. mean,
1: we're, and, that's not easy. Yeah, and to say, I mean, to be clear, it's not because I didn't feel like I wasn't going to get re- receive the support that I needed. I knew that. It was more of a personal thing where I'm like I'm just going to push through it and it'll be okay. Uh, but now I know okay that was not okay. Like what I should have done is reach out to my team and say, "Hey, like I really I'm struggling a little bit and I need a little bit more support."
0: Team will pick you up.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: How about you, Tyler? Something well, really really good. I mean, I mean he does I'm going to switch <laughs> from I'm going to
3: shift over here <laughs> so I can hear this one.
2: You know, luckily for me so far, knock on wood, all of my jobs have started out well, um, but I've definitely made mistakes throughout the job, for sure. I think for me, when I first jumped over to Embark, so this is a long time ago, back then it was Wild Wild West. We've grown up since then. Uh, But I felt the need to know every answer, like in the moment. Right. Because I'm out there, I'm the face of Embark. You know, I'm in the meeting with the CEO or the CFO or whoever, um, like someone important at the company. And they're paying me whatever my bill rate is, right? Hundreds of dollars an hour. I felt the need to know every answer. And that in the heat of the moment, I would blurt out something (laughs) that sounded intelligent. And then, of course, the first thing I do when I get out of that room is go research it, right? Like, okay, (laughs) is what I said the truth? And, you know, having to then take the walk of shame to go back to them and say, hey, remember that thing I told you? It's partially true. This is the real answer. So I had to learn to get comfortable with, hey, I'm not going to know everything, and that's okay. But... I know enough and I have the resources available to get to the right answer, right? Like it's not all on Tyler, it's on Embark. Like bringing the firm to the client and not just bringing Tyler to the client. And that took me a long time to learn. Um, But again, similar to you, I never wanna take that walk of shame again. So now I've learned like if I don't know something, something similar that i have done before like well i know i've done x y and z and this is how i handled it then but this is just a little bit different let me go back and look it up and just make sure that same approach will work right or if i just flat out don't know like i don't know let me let me look that up and get back to you i've never had someone get mad at me for saying i'm not sure but let me go look it up and find the answer for you. Like no one's gotten mad. People have gotten mad when I blurted out something, they've relied on it and then it's wrong and I have to kind of eat my words on the back end. I can relate to that. Why do you think we're
0: pre-programmed to want to have an answer for everything? And then, you know, as we go through life, (laughs) so it's it's okay to not have the answer for everything. Where do you think that internal pressure comes from?
2: I mean, for me, it was... Hey, you're paying me yeah. hundreds of dollars to know the answer. I should know the answer, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. What do you think, Flo?
1: Perfectionism? Um, at least for me, I've always kind of struggled with perfectionism trying to do trying to be the best at my job, right? And I think over time, it kind of it was kind of a growing moment when I realized, "Hey, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know all the answers. I just need to know that I can figure it out." and that I can grow and I can learn.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know when that switch flipped for me, but it was pretty early on in my career where, you know, being in consulting for 11 plus years now, there's very few conversations I've been in where it's like, oh yeah, like this is exactly what the answer is. Like go, you know, go forth and I i don't need to go research it or look at it again. Um, And I think that's always, I've always been very comfortable, you know, I think you described it well, Tyler, right? Like, I would much rather get to the right answer than say the wrong answer um, quickly. And I think I had individuals around me really early on in my career that modeled that out. And this notion that ultimately everybody's just trying to get to the right answer and speed to the right answer doesn't get you much if it's not the right answer. Right. And so, you know, I've always tried to model that for other people as it was modeled for me really early on that, like, Hey, we don't, we may not know exactly what this is. We may not have seen this exact fact and circumstance. Here's what we're thinking about. Here's some considerations. Let me go back and we will get back to you quickly. Right. And that the trust that that builds when it's like, Hey, I, I care, so much about this problem, about what you're going through, that ultimately I want to get to the right answer, right? It's, I am making your problem my problem. And ultimately it's not about, can I get to the answer in this moment? It's about, do we get to the right answer in the end? And so I had people, I mean, it was, I'm trying to think exactly who it was. You know, there was a team of individuals I worked with when I first joined um, EY over 12 years ago that really modeled that behavior out. And I was able to adopt that at a really young stage in my career which benefited me a ton so but it's hard
0: well it certainly helps to be around people who can demonstrate that behavior and i mean what what i'm hearing uh through the successes and the failures is there is while while the people we're working with and the project uh, duration and complexities might change there is a process you know there are some best practices we've reached the midway point of this episode are you enjoying the conversation be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or a future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now, back to the discussion. Flo, you mentioned a little bit earlier mindset, and I think we've touched on that a little bit, but I do want to give everybody an opportunity to, what what is the winning mindset to go into this? What what do you need to be prepared for, know, or just wake up in the morning? What's your purpose? What's what's the right mindset?
1: I think for me, like when I wake up in the morning and I am thinking about my mindset, I really think about how what can I do today to go above and beyond my clients' expectations. Um, because all, all of our clients have expectations. I think the general expectation is that you're going to go in and you're going to do the work, right? And whatever they assign you, that's what you're going to do, and then you're going to do it great. Uh, but I think that having an ownership mindset is going to go above and beyond that. Like, wh- what can I do to take care of my client today? Like, how can I make their life better today? Um, how can I – or what else is there that I can do to help them um, and give them – peace of mind today
2: Tyler how about you yeah I think owning whatever client whatever problems the client has as your own like taking those on as your own problems and putting yourself in their shoes like okay if I had to deal with this or do that every single day um, how would I change it or make it better yeah just getting you know getting alongside them and being like, okay, I'm here with you. Like I see the problem. Let's fix it. I think it just goes back to that ownership
3: yeah. mentality. And there has to be a genuine level of care. Like this is not, we've all encountered, whether it's in a work setting or in a personal setting, the individuals that will ask you the you know very basic question, how are you doing? Right. And you can tell the individuals that truly care about the response. They care about you know like oh i'm not doing well okay i'm now making that to tell point i'm making that my problem right like you're not doing well how can i help you as compared to the individuals that are like here you're not doing well so i'm sorry that sucks and they boomed on right and i think that mindset you know flow is as you articulated right it's you have to actually care about your clients problems you have to be intentional about building that relationship from day one or even before day run right getting prepared leaning in, asking questions, understanding what they're going through and the actual problems they're going through. And that's the biggest part of consulting is ultimately getting to what are the real problems that we're trying to solve, taking those problems genuinely care about and caring about them and then solving them. Um, and I think that's what you know for me, it's been so much fun and enjoyable to be part of, solving these client problems, right? Like this is, it's not just showing up and doing work. It's truly helping companies to go public or close the transaction or get the financial statements out or get the books closed, right? Like if you if you think about it through the lens of what are we actually achieving in terms of helping these organizations move forward in terms of helping people get time back, reduce stress, right? Like the impact that this mindset can have for me at least it becomes relatively easy to adopt that mindset because i'm getting fulfilled that that way right like my bucket is getting filled by serving my clients and serving the individuals i work with every day and so it's it's more fun it's more enjoyable and it's way more rewarding so
0: we've got a mindset to to serve others to care i don't know should we start at meeting one or i'm guessing based on what you said earlier maybe it's pre-meeting one uh what what are checklists starting at the top best practices, how should I prepare for that first
2: call or meeting? I think for me, it's truly understanding all due dates and not just from the client's perspective, but because this has bitten me before, but okay, we have the due date, right? But who are the other users of whatever we're preparing and what's their due date, right? Like what's their end objective? And does it really need to be even earlier than what we need to get it to the client for? So just understanding, I think, clearly, all due dates, both internal and external, um, and then you just work backwards from there, right? And then you can determine on our side, OK, what resources do I need? Do I need more people? Because you know it's a very shortened timeline, and the team we have, like, it's just not going to work. Um, But yeah, uh, understanding all due dates and also after you kick the project off, reconfirm those because they change all the time. (laughs) And sometimes that communication doesn't make it back to us till the day or the day before when it's due. And then that's, no one wants to be in that situation. So yeah, know the due dates and I think just over communicate. I've never had a client tell me, shut up. You're talking to me too much. Like, it's it's usually when I don't communicate enough, like that's when I get in trouble. Um, so I usually tell clients, hey, I'm going to over communicate. You tell me when it's too much and I'll dial back. I've never had a client tell me it's too much. You need to back up a bit.
0: Well, and by asking those questions too, you, you mentioned earlier kind of expectation setting, right? So you, it's almost like you're coming into this, don't assume that the expectation is the same for everybody. Yeah. So go find out some of those expectations. Are those questions that you prepare and then ask during that meeting? Or are those questions that are maybe answered before that meeting?
2: Both, because I know like on my current client, like there's some stuff, some areas that they really want us to dig into. They're like, hey, this has to be like perfect, right? And then there's other areas they are like, hey, just kick the tires make sure it generally makes sense, and let's move on. Um, And that's real important to know because some of those, hey, let's just kick the tires one, like I was planning to really dive deep. But knowing that, oh, okay, like this is what you need this for, like this is the purpose, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Like we'll just take a light pass and move on. Um, But I think it helps, especially if you have a tight budget, to know where you need to spend that budget and where you don't because um, you don't that's another conversation you don't want to have with the client it's like hey we're going over budget it's like okay well what have you done so far oh well, I've done, it's like well i don't care about that why have you spent all your time there and if you set expectations from the get-go hopefully you can avoid that situation what else would you add jason
3: yeah i think the continual alignment and communication are key you know the the majority of issues that I've run into with projects is in some way, shape or form communication, whether it's on the front end with misalignment about what expectations are or throughout the project, hey, we need more information, or these are the issues that we're running into. And I think one of the things that I have learned through many failures in my career is bad news doesn't get better with time so if it's ba- if it's going to be bad news waiting two weeks is not going to be better it's just going to be worse because now you're delivering bad news and you're not delivering it timely and so being comfortable in that space of hey I need to provide you an update and it's not favorable right and that continued alignment throughout I think as long as people understand where we're at in solving the problem and the problem we're solving there's at least you know, you know, understanding and acceptance of that, right? They may be frustrated with how long it's taking, or one thing or the other, but ultimately they're aware, and I think that's that's what people truly want at the end of the day from a client server. So yeah,
2: and yeah. to add to that, I used to default to, "Hey, until I can wrap my arms around this mm-hmm. and speak to every aspect, like I don't want to bring up the conversation because they're just going to ask me a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to," and kind of what. Jason's point like no let's bring them in and say hey here's our plan to tackle this because they may know like oh we've been down that road like that won't work it's like okay well that's good to know like we won't waste hours there so yeah even if you don't have all the answers and you know it's bad news like bringing them in the loop earlier is always the right answer what would you add Flo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything that you guys mentioned is very foundational to set the stage to a successful project or engagement. Um, I guess I would add also knowing who you're going to be collaborating with yeah. and, and really understanding what their roles play um, in the particular project uh, that you're working on. I mean, I've had situations where um I don't find out until later down the line, oh, I need to be reaching out to this person <laughs> to get this information or um, this other person for this different type of information. And so just really understanding from the beginning, asking all the right questions about who you're going to be collaborating with, who you need to reach out to, uh, who does what. I think that's very, very important. Uh, but also I would add, um, and this kind of comes back to what Tyler mentioned about like, Just not necessarily always having um, all the right questions or having all the right answers immediately. Uh, Just being adaptable, um, Mm -hmm. being able to pivot at any time. Um, I mean, I think in my experience, projects don't always go as we plan. And so it's kind of important to. (laughs) (laughs) So I really think it's important to be able to just adapt to any situation. Come in with uh, the ability to shift when you need to. Um, I think that that's very important as well.
3: And I think that's where the relationship component. You know, as we have, as you have stronger relationships with clients, that adaptability, the responding to mistakes, all of those things become that much easier if there's that foundation from a relationship standpoint that's built on day one. All right, and that is why this is so critically important in building that strong relationship is you're going to encounter problems you're going to encounter delays you're going to encounter course changes um, in any project that's inevitable it's part of consulting right and it's part of why the three of us love consulting is it's not the same thing over and over again there are changes you do have to pivot you do have to deal with difficult situations but if you can build that foundation of trust and build those relationships with your team that you're working with And with your clients, you're able to get through all of those hurdles so much easier.
0: You mentioned earlier, you know, showing up and maybe you could have done some more homework, right? Uh, One thing I've heard um, just in discussions like these is understanding different communication styles of of different people. But then even you you mentioned like current events, you know, maybe there's a company news, but also Maybe there's something I can find by looking at their LinkedIn profile and just come in there showing that I've done a little bit of homework that could maybe go a long way too.
3: Yeah, yeah. one of the things that just a, a small tip that I do is I will, you know, individuals I'm going to engage with, I'll go on their LinkedIn and scroll down to the bottom and look at organizations that they're a part of, like boards that they're a part of, where they went to school. You know, if if an individual has taken the time and effort to put something on LinkedIn of another organization that is important to them, I should know about that, right? And I should ask questions about that because people love to talk about themselves, especially areas that they're passionate about. And when you can show that genuine interest where you've taken time to prepare, to understand something that's important to them and you then engage with them in that conversation, it just goes a really long way to build that, continue to build that relationship.
0: I would be curious to hear the answer from, all three of you. And uh, I, ideally there's different tools in your toolkit. Um, so if you hear one, that's maybe your go-to is maybe there's another one you could, yeah. could share with the audience, but you talk about the importance of building a relationship early, you know, so we got all these other layers, communication expectations, and and just kind of a roadmap and mindset, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking I'm an auditor I'm walking in to meet my client for the first time, that's a certain kind of relationship. Or maybe I'm in industry and I'm, you know, I'm reporting to the CAO and it's a new project. And that's a, that's a different type of relationship as well, at least from a work standpoint, but it's, it's still a relationship or, you know, we're talking about consulting. What are some tips that each of you have in terms of just like, how do you start building a relationship so that the first meeting isn't hundred percent transactional?
2: I mean, no matter what role you're in, right? Whether you're the auditor or you're in industry or you're the consultant or whoever you are, everyone's human, right? We all have desires, goals, dreams, family. Like we all have passions, right? We all have all these things. Now they may be different for every person, but we all have them. So I think connecting to someone on the human level first, like build that personal connection. And whatever your particular role is that you have to do, it'll go easier. Whatever it is, it'll yeah. it'll it'll go better if you connect with them on a human level first.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, but also to add on to that, uh, don't be afraid to have fun with them. Uh, if they invite you to a happy hour, go. Build relationships. I think spending time with them even outside of work goes a long way, right? Or go eat lunch with them, invite them out to lunch one day. Um, I think just bi- building those genuine connections is gonna take more than just collaborating with them at work. Like, yes, ask them about themselves, um, have those conversations with them, but also don't be afraid to have fun as well.
2: I'm glad, I love that you mentioned that because that first happy hour may be a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you don't know them that well. But again being on long-term clients the first happy hour compared to the one a year two year three like it truly is so much fun because you've gotten to know this person and yeah the wild conversations you'll have at the later ones versus the earlier ones like it is a lot of fun
3: well that's it's funny (laughs) i'll say that because that was going to be the thing i would say is just continue to show up right like it some relationships just click day one right you have shared interests, you are able to identify those quickly, you're able to dive in, the individual's willing to open up. um, And those are great, right? Those are easier relationships. But for the relationships where it doesn't just immediately click, continue to show up, right? Like everyone is seeking some level of relationship, is wanting to um, be able to have fun at work, right? And to be able to engage with people that they like being around. And so, just continuing to show up for your teams continue to show up for your clients um, because sometimes it does take longer than you want it to but in my experience those are sometimes the ones that are the most worth it right
0: well and, and flow you mentioned at the outset of the of the discussion that you know you never know what somebody might be going through as well too so maybe maybe it doesn't seem maybe there's a wall it seems like it's there but yeah. it could it could be for reasons that time yeah. will sort itself out yeah. um I, before we move on to, you know, getting into the engagement, just anything during that that first meeting, you talk about, you know, scoping, setting expectations, adjusting if need be. Is there any? I guess what what, what is when you finish that meeting, it's successful if fill in the blank.
1: I think it's successful if you feel confident that you are set up for success. If, I feel like if you have all the answers that you've, I mean, you don't have to have all the answers, but if you feel confident that you can go in day one and perform, then I think it's been a su- successful meeting, in my opinion.
0: So if I'm walking away from that first meeting and I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> probably there's something I need to adapt ask yeah. some more questions yeah. or prepare better. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on the checklist?
3: I think for me, it's a validation of next steps, right? Like there's, A lot of times in that first meeting, there's a hundred different things that we could focus on first and different priorities. And I think, you know, Tyler, you hit on it well right around what are the deadlines? But I think understanding where are we going from here? And oftentimes that's not when I walk out of the meeting, it's not what I thought going in. And that's when, you know, it's like, okay, that was a fruitful discussion because we truly validated what is most important to them or reinforce what's most important to me to be able to move forward but just that clear identification of where we're going in those next steps is you know when i walk away feeling most comfortable about a good kickoff meeting
0: one other perspective to consider this from um you know as, as people get further into their career they yeah. might be managing a team of folks um from if you have that lens on What are some things that you want to do to make sure that your team and the client are both set up for success?
2: It's different when you're, it's just you or just you and one other person, right? Like that's easy to manage. Like my current client, I've got a team of five people underneath me. And then I have an MD above me. Like that's, you know, six, seven people, including myself. Like that's a lot of people to coordinate, make sure everyone is cared for make sure everyone has clear direction is not spinning their wheels like i think again communication like just checking in with everyone and i think organization like yeah. the larger your team gets you must be organized like yeah. i think it's people may kill me for saying this but it's kind of optional when it's just you and maybe one other person to be have like a true organizational plan yeah. and structure but it, it's not a choice when your team grows beyond like you and one other person. Um, you you have to write things down. You have to have a plan. You have to have more a structure in place to make sure you are going to hit the end goal on time with good quality deliverables. And it
3: yeah. helps to meet the needs of the team. Right? <laughs> when it's just you, ultimately, you're going to organize your thoughts and your to-do list the way that that suits you. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes a larger team and it becomes a more complicated project when there's multiple client individuals, right? You have a variety of different individuals that want different levels of information, that want information in a different timing, right? And that level of organization becomes that much more important because <laughs> there are that many more users of your time and your allocation of resources. And so it's, it's critical to continue to stay organized, especially as the team grows. 100% agree.
2: And you learn how, you know, different types of people digest information and how they operate. And you tend to default to what you like best, but that may not work for one or two people on your team. And you'll learn it over time. But I think Mm -hmm. figuring out, okay, I know this person, like, doesn't care about all the information. They just want to know, okay, what do I need to do? When does it need to get done? How am I going to get there? Right? And then you have another person who they like can't move forward if they don't know the bigger picture like okay why am i doing this like why is this important other than you just telling me i have to do it like why and they can't get past that and it's you just have to learn the different people on your team and how how they work and how they operate
1: yeah and i would say from the opposite side i think it's also important to create an environment where your team feels comfortable to come to you, right if they're struggling through something work related, right? I think oftentimes we have situations where um, someone might be spinning their wheels or we may not might not be making progress on a certain project because, they're afraid to ask questions or they're afraid to come, not afraid, but they're not comfortable coming to you and like asking you directly. And I think just kind of setting the environment where they feel comfortable to do that um, is also really important from a management um, standpoint.
0: What are some approaches that have worked
1: for you in that area? Something I like to do is, and I don't do this every morning specifically, but I like to come to my team and just chat with them. Just have like a morning chat or, you know, morning coffee or, or whatnot, and just kind of see how their day is going. And then from there, I'll like, Oh, is, is there anything going on today? Like, how's work going? Because we so on my team right now, we don't specifically have, we're not all working on the same things. And sometimes um, our projects can be very siloed. But I always like to make myself available if they have any specific questions that I might be able to help on. And so for me, just kind of Having daily chats with them, even if we're not working on the same projects, I think that has kind of made it easier for them to be able to approach me if they do have any questions.
3: And I think that daily connectiveness—you can also begin to tell when people are off or when something's going on or they're stressed, because you've got enough data points that you understand sort of the normal course of that conversation, the normal the way that they respond to your questions, and so when you you have enough of those data points, you spend enough time and energy to build those relationships, you can truly identify when people need that incremental support to get through whatever it is they're getting through. And I think that's the one of the cool things about truly focusing on building relationships is on the back end, it actually makes your job easier, right? It takes more time and effort. It takes more work, but it allows you to understand who can support you, understand who's <laughs> been through this before and understand when someone needs that incremental support because you have a relationship with that person where you understand them beyond just the service level.
0: How about client communication? Is there, I mean, I'm mean, i I'm sure it can mm-hmm. vary by project, but um, what's, what's a healthy cadence? What's, mm-hmm. you know, if, when do I follow up?
2: I would say minimum weekly, bare minimum. Okay. I think it depends on the client. Like I've had some where once a week is perfect. Mm-hmm. I've had on the other end of the spectrum, like where I meet with them twice a day, every day. It depends on the job.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to understand the way your client communicates best. Um, It's kind of funny because I've, I've had clients where I've... I've gone just this random email like take a look at this no context whatsoever so it's kind of really important to understand okay hey like what is the best way to communicate with this particular client how can i best get the information that i need to successfully complete this task or this project and so kind of really taking the time to understand your clients specifically i mean every like you said every client is going to be very different and they're going to have different needs and different communication styles Uh, so taking the time to understand that i think it's very essential
3: and I think it's important not to just um, guess or assume and really challenge and ask them like, what is the way in which you like to receive information? How frequently do you like to receive information, right? Being open to what do they want. And as you know, being in client service, you are in service to your client. So what is the best way that they want, you know, they want to be served? And being open and okay with whatever that answer is, right? I think oftentimes, and I think you said it Tyler, right, we default to our de you know the way in which we like to receive communication and then it takes how many long slacks before you realize that I'm not going to read them and so you just start calling me. <laughs> yeah,
2: very quickly. <laughs> but I think too, like just having fun, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's work, mm. and at the end of the day, the work has to get done, but that doesn't mean you can't have fun yeah. while you're doing it. And you know, I like to start meetings. I try to, I don't do it every time, but like something non-work related. Mm. And anyone who's worked with me knows I have a lot of hot takes on things. So I usually start a meeting with a hot take of mine and then just let the conversation go from there. But it's just, yeah, having, um, and two. You kind of break the ice yeah. right but you get to know people that way because then they like open up a bit and share something that's you know going on in their life you there are so many
0: nuances to this that it almost seems you know it's impossible to predict all of them and i'm sure experience yeah teaches you things but it wouldn't be a bad idea to take some of the same approaches of the questions that you're going to be asking to a client like what is what what form of communication do you prefer you know what are you but then applying that to everybody and it's almost like if you can just go into it even even if you don't know what you're doing but you've got some questions going into it to really understand who people are where they're at what their goals or challenges might be you're at least going to put yourself in in a really good position and then you'll adapt as you go
3: yeah i mean this mindset you know, one of the things that for me and my role, I really focus on is, you know, I am serving the clients internally, right? Flo and Tyler and, and you Kyle, like you all are my clients that I'm in service to in my role in Dallas. This mindset is the exact same thing, right? Like, how are you doing? How was your weekend? How's your client doing? What are the problems they're facing? right? like the This mindset is not just a, external client service mindset. This is a way of operating where you get, one, you get more reps, but two, you're able to truly, genuinely get to know the people you work with um, within your own company, right? And so for those of you sitting on audit teams or sitting in industry, not in client service, this is still incredibly applicable in the way that you approach all of the individuals that you engage with on a daily basis.
0: Well said, it's interesting. It also makes me want to change the title of this <laughs> a, a little bit because it is there's so many takeaways that can be applied yeah. across different all different relationships um depending on what kind of project you're on you've you've got you know you're deliverable or you might have a presentation. I think you know we've touched on a lot of ways that you can get information and adapt and understand what that target is and how to how to deliver it but is there anything you would add specific to presentations on how to structure it or your deliverables, how to present it or make sure that you've hit the mark. Is there any, any best practices that we need
2: to discuss? I don't know about presentations. PowerPoint's dead. Everyone hates PowerPoint, but <laughs> <laughs> hot tape, hot, hot tape. Take. This, <laughs> this, this falls take. in the hot okay.
3: tape bucket.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we live and breathe in Excel, right? Like everyone touches Excel. So whenever you're putting together, whatever that thing is, I've learned to look at it through the viewpoint of, okay, one, who's my end user? Normally, um it's like CEO or controller or something like that. Okay, these people are incredibly busy, right? They may not need or want to know all the minute details that we went through to figure this out. But I try to put a summary whether it's a tab or at the beginning of a word doc or whatever it is, high level kind of executive summary, if you will, of here's the problem. Here's what we did. Here's the answer, right? Bullet point. And then, oh, Hey, by the way, everything else in here, like if you want to dive yeah. in, it's here for you, feel free, knock yourself out, but here's what you need to know. And here's, here's the key, key takeaways.
1: Yeah, I would say pretty similar to everything that you said. I mean, you kind of summed it up really well. Kind of depending on your audience, like really knowing your audience, knowing who the end receiver is is super important. Uh, For me, for example, if I'm emailing the controller, I know that he probably doesn't want a list of questions, right? So knowing like exactly, okay, how can I best grab his attention, let him know, hey, this is what I need, and uh, making sure that when he receives it, he's not like overwhelmed or like, Oh gosh, I have to answer all these questions. And so kind of knowing your audience is super important, um, knowing how they want to receive information, um, or, um, what the best way for them to receive information is.
3: The only other thing I would add, I agree with everything Tyler and Phobos said, the, the only thing I would add is there's a power in verbally, talking through things with people, right? One of the things I've learned is tone cannot be conveyed through written form no matter how hard you try. And so, you know, when you send over an email for a difficult, like something that's wrong or a difficult conversation, right? Making sure that there is space to talk through how we got here or what happened or how it's going to be resolved, right? And For me, as someone who is very much a verbal processor, I want to talk through things and do not want to read a lot. Understanding that that's not everybody's um, default way of communication, but when you're in difficult, when you're having delivered difficult news, doing it verbally so that you can answer questions and frame out how we got here or what questions they have is very, very powerful.
0: Is there anything else that we should have talked about that we haven't.
2: I mean, one thing is just kind of something to think about, but I think a lot of what we've said is building on, like building those relationships, right? So if you invest and build kind of that goodwill with people, you'll have this bank for when problems do, cause they will come up, it's just a matter of time. Um, but when those problems come up, you have some goodwill with those people that you can draw from to where if you haven't made that human connection if you haven't you know a problem comes up they're just going to get angry and mad and frustrated right and they still may depends on the problem i guess but at least you have that relationship that you can you have a good foundation to start from to to start that conversation with instead of having spent no time trying to get to know this person, and then you're like, oh, this is wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it helps. That's hearing you say that, I'm recalling
0: a few experiences where I could have, <laughs> that yeah. definitely was uh, an oversight, uh, laziness, whatever, Abby, on my part. But uh, anything else you want to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. Just taking the time to, to really care for your clients and care for your teammates, I think in the long term, it really pays dividends. I mean, we've seen it so many times here uh, with our own consultants. Um, where I, I know we use this a lot, but where they land and expand, I think that's pretty common around here. And it's because we take the time to be able to really get to know our clients and to get to really know what they need and how to provide an excellent service to them.
3: Yeah, the only thing I would say in closing is I think the acknowledgement that this is hard. Like, this is, you know, we talk about it as if it's easy to do, and that's not the case, right? This is a very hard thing that you have to be intentional about every single day. And there's going to be days where you just don't feel like doing this, or you mess it up, or you don't do it well. And guess what? the next day you can try better and you can do better. And I think that notion of this is not easy, this is the hard way to do things, but that ultimately reaps such a larger benefit going through life and engaging with clients in this way. And I think we've seen it throughout this firm that you know individuals are happier, our clients are happier because we're continuing to strive to do this. Not because we do it perfectly every single time, but this is the mindset that we're trying to operate. Within And so I think just encouraging, you know, everybody who's, who's watching this to, you know, lean into this where you can, how you can, and just try and continue to positively impact uh, the clients you engage with. So it's,
0: I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's, I mean, mistakes, lessons, life is going to happen. Um, let's end with this. You can, we've created a new technology where you can deliver one Whatever you want, one nugget of wisdom to yourself back on your very first project. What would you, what would you say to yourself, to just maybe save some time, energy, mistakes, or or just get in the right mindset?
1: I think it would be don't be afraid to be mistakes, to make mistakes, right? Um, and don't be afraid of learning and growing. Um, I think, especially at the beginning of my career, I was very hard on myself about, hey, like, you gotta, you know, be the best at this all the time. And so I think that kind of poses a lot of uh, pressure on yourself. And sometimes that's actually con- counterintuitive, right? Sometimes that actually doesn't allow you to develop relationships because you are kind of very in your head. And so to me, it's, it would it would be don't be afraid to learn and um, make mistakes as you grow because at the end of the day challenges and getting out of your comfort zone is what's going to help you grow.
3: Awesome, mine similar to flows. Uh, it would be trust your gut. Like you're, I think we all have had experience whether it's education in school or trainings at our employers or different experiences from a work perspective and. I think for me, at least, I probably didn't give myself a lot of credit throughout my career and just trusting that I'm in the right place for the right reasons that I'm qualified to do this. And I have a team of people around me that will support and ensure I can be successful and not, um, you know, being okay with that. So
2: yeah, Jason stole mine. Yeah. Trust your gut. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think lead with hot takes.
3: <laughs> lead, lead
2: with hot takes. Yeah. Break the ice. He's already um, doing that. He's been doing
3: that forever. So that's not, not a. That's not a. a, he's yeah, that's doing not it a it's day one. Day um, one.
2: <clears throat> no, I think like don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. um that's a good one. Jason knows I'm a perfectionist, um and you know have I still am. I just cope with it now. But like making mistakes, it's like the worst thing to me, but it's okay, right? Like ask for help. If you don't know, you don't have to know everything. We have what, 500 plus Mm -hmm. people at the firm now? Like someone here knows the answer. Um, It doesn't have to be you. Mm -hmm. That's why you work at a firm and not by yourself. So yeah, reach out
0: great stuff. I've learned a ton. Um, I think this will be incredibly valuable. And I just appreciate each of you making time and sharing your wisdom and uh, being a little bit vulnerable. Uh, Flo, Tyler, Jason, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. 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 Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.